Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and today I'm going to share part one of two podcast episodes where I discuss some tips and techniques in managing employee concerns. Specifically, I'm going to walk you through what I call the three levels to managing employee conflicts. This is a great skill builder episode you won't want to miss. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Today, I'm excited to talk about how to resolve employee concerns, sometimes called departmental drama, and how to go about resolving conflicts. You know, unfortunately today, we have a lot of very conflict-averse employees. They just would prefer to shift the workplace relationship issues onto HR and employee relations professionals. They just don't want to handle them on their own. And, you know, a lot of these uh, relationship issues are really involving supervisors and managers. So let's get started and let's talk about a few important things in resolving these kinds of employee concerns. One of the first things to resolving these issues is the intake process. And when employees come to you, whether you're you're an HR professional, employee relations, you work in ethics, uh, or even if you are a manager or business owner listening to this, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge an employee's feelings and don't just jump to conclusions. Now, I know some of you, and I talked in my last episode about frequent flyers, and I had one in my career whose name was Maxine, <laughs> just a chronic complainer, and nothing ever suited her. And you kind of almost can fill in the blanks when an employee f- starts with a, a few syllables out of their mouth, and you're like, oh, no, here comes this person again, and I know what they're going to say. And you kind of fill in the blanks, and what that does is it causes you to jump to conclusions. And that's not a good thing. Every individual complaint has to be a standalone. Now, if this becomes a really habitual pattern with employees and you're launching frivolous investigations and it's you know been four or five times, this is where you do need to sit down with your senior leadership and have a conversation also with legal because, quite frankly, this is a person who is now really wasting your time. And it might even be that the pattern is showing that they're really raising fraudulent allegations. Um, And particularly if they're targeting one or two particular individuals, it may be that at some point um, this might require um, a serious disciplinary warning. Um, Again, I wouldn't do that without the advice of counsel or it could be at some point you offer a separation agreement with that type of individual. Obviously, they're really, really unhappy. And, you know, at some point you have to kind of put a stop to these repeat offenders. Now, let me just be clear. I am not suggesting that just because someone complains, you know, two, three times about something that you're going to start teeing this up to, to fire them. That would be really a bad idea because that on its face could look like you're retaliating against them. And those cases are quite expensive today. What I'm talking about are really, really habitual folks where there's never anything substantive in what it is that they bring forward and never take action without coordinating with your legal counsel. But getting back to the initial intake, we have to really focus on employees' concerns and how they feel about it. As much as you want to be dismissive and say, oh, no, 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 look, employee Ryan, hey, I, you know... I've worked with your boss, Bob, for a lot of years, and, you know, you just, 
need to get his sense of humor or whatever, or you just need to realize that he's just a different style and it just takes a little getting used to. Okay, don't don't do that. Um, you're essentially saying right out of the gate that you're siding with the manager and that you're not listening to what Ryan, the complainant, is saying. And that's called bias. Don't do it. You have to acknowledge an employee's feelings. So here's how that might sound at the complaint intake. Ryan, look, I can see that this situation is frustrating for you. If I'm understanding the situation correctly, you are most concerned about, uh, let's say, rating on a performance review or his recent disciplinary warning. And you would like to see and you clarify what it is that he's looking for. Let's say the performance rating he thinks was very unfair or uh, let's say he thinks that his supervisor is um, really playing favorites and that he feels like he's never really been given any kind of responsibility, yet the rest of his peers have all been given a chance to have uh, some responsibility. And he feels like his boss is kind of holding him back. All right. Any, any of these scenarios are quite possible. But what you have to do is acknowledge the employee's feelings. You're not agreeing with Ryan, but you're empathizing. And using phrases like, I can see this is upsetting you. I can tell that you're angry about this. Look, I realize that this situation has upset you. I myself have been in circumstances like this, and, and I can empathize. You see, things like that. You want to make sure you always summarize what you heard the employee share at that intake, and then you take time to start using your critical thinking skills before you just move on to just making a quick decision, because that jump into conclusion stuff is going to get you into trouble. All right now, um, sometimes after you do that intake, you're going to realize that you have to shift into somewhat of a conflict management kind of scenario. And conflicts today with employees really range from rather minor misunderstandings to really more serious and even potentially fractured relationships. Now, most minor understandings can be usually resolved with both parties and just kind of sitting them down together, whether it's in person in a conference room or whether you're doing something virtually to just discuss the matter. And um, what I like to refer to in conflict resolution are different levels, like a level one, a level two, a level three. So let's talk about a level one approach to conflict resolution. That's where you provide some coaching and some mentorship to employees on how they themselves can actually engage the other party to resolve the issue, whether that may be a supervisor, uh, maybe it's a coworker, a vendor, maybe supplier. But know this, employees today would really rather not have conflict, wouldn't they? Um, they really prefer to just avoid it entirely. Well, of course, conflict is uncomfortable. But the thing is, when employees are working with us today, they are not children in middle school or high school. These are professionals who are deriving a salary for work to be performed. These are grown-ups. So there is a very basic expectation that an employee who is working for you should be able to manage their workplace relationships. And when they are trying to abdicate that to others, such as HR or employee relations or ethics, uh-uh, doesn't work that way. So your job, whether you're in HR or employee relations, is to help, the, help them understand the importance of them being involved in the resolution process. And I'll, I'll tell you, my feeling has always been deal direct, you know? one-on-one -on -one resolving things, because the more parties that you get involved in a conflict generally is when things just get a lot bigger and it gets more complicated and things can get really out of hand. 
Think about uh, three people in uh, a relationship. <laughs> you have a married party and a mother-in-law intervenes. It's generally not going to work out well, is it? So, you know, the parties in that marriage, or if you're not married and just partners, generally working it out one-on-one is better than if you had a third party uh, intervene. Now, I'm not talking about a counselor. I'm just talking about someone who sticks their nose in the middle of it to, to try to help. It's usually not going to be helpful. It's usually going to spiral out of control and dysfunction junction, right? So what I recommend with employees is to start at this level one and give them some perspective about the importance of them taking the ownership of their issue. And a phrase that I've always liked to use and I've shared with my clients over the years is you own your relationship with your boss. I don't. Look, you work with manager Bob every day, Ryan, and so it's important that you take some ownership of working this out. Obviously, you're having some conflicts with Bob, and I'd really like to talk with you about how we move forward uh, through this conflict. Now, sometimes what happens when you sit down and you start talking with employees about shifting that ownership back to them, where you're basically letting them know, no, I'm not going to take ownership of this issue with your boss for you. You do have to be involved. You see that they express a great deal of trepidation and they'll say things like, but, but you just don't get it. You know, there's no, just no talking to him. Well, why can't you just talk to him for me? And then you, know, you see that anxiety start to creep up. What you could say is, look, Ryan, I understand your trepidation and sitting down with your manager. Look, I'm, I'm here to help you. And I want to help guide you to a positive outcome. However, look, you need to be involved in this process to work it out. Now, sometimes employees are really unhappy at that juncture. But that's where I said before, these are not middle schoolers. These are people who are working and deriving a salary for the work to be performed. And so therefore, there's an expectation that they manage those relationships. Uh, But HR taking on the role of everybody's workplace relationships is a burden that has become way too heavy. And this is why in my previous podcast episode, I was talking about current trends in employee relations and just the sheer volume of cases that are coming at HR and employee relations teams today. So that means some boundaries, please, with HR and ER professionals. You have to have some boundaries to not get pulled into these day-to-day departmental concerns and just take ownership of these issues. Because honestly, you're taking the ownership away from the employee and also the manager, and in some cases, even the upper-level manager, because you're getting in the middle of things that generally are more departmental concerns. You know, I'm not talking about HR here having to get involved in an allegation of sexual harassment or a serious allegation of retaliation. No, those are different situations where we must get involved. And quite frankly, the courts have defined our obligations in having to conduct investigations into those things because failure to do so can become very costly in the form of expensive litigation or at the very least regulatory fines. I'm talking about the departmental drama. Employees are unhappy with those things like a performance rate or they're unhappy with work schedules or uh, work assignments, disparity in, let's say, uh, the way a project has been divvied up, right? These are all managerial decisions, but often they just don't want to deal with the pushing back with the manager that's made the decisions. They want to go around said manager and come back to you. And again, that's a very dysfunctional process. And so we've got to start having some boundaries around our departments in order to push that back. Now, when employees are recognizing that they do have to take some of the ownership of their conflicts and they become, you know, very anxious, right? Sometimes giving them the direction and coaching to resolve the matter one-on-one with a supervisor 
it's just not going to happen. They are just not at a readiness level, as I like to refer to it, uh, to be able to handle that conversation effectively. They're they're not going to do it. And what may happen is they will just continue to avoid it and avoid it. And then what could happen is you could lose the employee. They, they just quit. That's not what we want, especially in this day and age when it's so hard to find really qualified talent. So we're better off then maybe shifting from a level one coaching, mentoring, conflict management, teaching the employee how to resolve that conflict. Let's say the employee Ryan with his boss, Bob. If he just has way, way too much trepidation about that sit down, then that's where we need to start shifting into like a level two. So what's a level two? Well, a level two is where you now start preparing for more of a mediation type of discussion. So what does that look like? Well, what that looks like is you might say, all right, Ryan, I understand you have some trepidation in sitting down with your boss, Bob, and I get that. However, you do need to be involved to work it out. So let me offer you this option. How about I sit down together with you and Bob, we'll get together in the conference room, or if we need to do this virtually, we'll schedule a Zoom call. Now, sometimes employees will just say, but why can't you just talk with him for me? And that's where you go back to the taking ownership. No, you need to be involved to work this out. My carrying your information to Bob, and then if Bob doesn't necessarily want to uh, sit down together with you to work it out, then I become the go-between, and that's a very dysfunctional model for this. We're not going to do that, Ryan. Uh, It's important that both of you get together and we work it out. All right, so then when you're at that level two, you're now going to arrange for for the time, and you've got to make sure it's scheduled accordingly so that the meeting isn't going to be rushed. Uh, you want to explain certainly the purpose of the meeting uh, at the very time that you're scheduling for the calendar invitation that you send. And um, also what I recommend is that you try to find out as much as you possibly can about the individuals involved before you meet with them. So if, let's say, Ryan is not an employee that you really have – a lot of interaction with and you don't know him very well. After you meet with him for a little while, at least at intake, you're going to get the sense that he's very conflict averse. Maybe he's a little bit more introverted, perhaps. And then if you don't really know manager Bob very well, maybe you have had very little interaction with Bob, then what I would do is reach out and have a conversation with your boss, if your boss happens to know manager Bob, or uh, reach out to other colleagues that may have had a lot more dealings with Bob and ask a little bit about his day-to-day and ask what kind of demeanor does he have generally and what is his leadership style with his team. And if you're familiar with um, something called the DISC instrument, uh, D means dominance, I means influential, S means steadiness, and C means conscientiousness. The DISC profile is based on the four quadrants of human behavior and uh, was created really back in the 1930s, but got developed into a formal behavioral instrument back in the 50s and 60s and used very widely today. And it's published by the Wiley organization. I use the DISC in my uh, consulting practice routinely as part of my training programs. How can that benefit you to learn a little bit more about the DISC style of, let's say, Manager Bob? Well, it's enormous. Let's say Manager Bob is a very dominant style. He is very short-fused. He's a real bottom-line-focused kind of guy. And let's say Ryan is more of a steadiness style. They are polar opposites. 
So the steadiness style requires harmony and structure. The D style requires control and result. So these are people who are polar opposites. And it certainly explains perhaps maybe why there has been some conflict that's emerged between the two of them. Uh, if it's a performance issue, maybe a performance rating, maybe it is that Bob is a little too harsh and it's maybe not a fair review or it could be conversely that Bob is very organized, very results focused, and Ryan is just very unhappy that he just didn't get the rating because he didn't perform well this year and he's being held accountable and just doesn't like it, you see. But understanding how Bob reacts kind of on a day-to-day basis is very helpful. So uh, in general, I think um, anytime that you're going to be heading into a discussion with an employee and a manager even two co-workers, maybe two managers, and there's been some sort of a dispute, finding out as much as you can about them before you get in that room is always going to be super helpful. All right. So let me kind of recap what we've talked about in today's episode. We got started with acknowledging employees' feelings. So anytime an employee wants to come and talk with you about something that they're upset about, always use an empathetic statement. Again, you're not agreeing with them, but you're at least hearing their feelings. And that's the first step toward getting them to communicate even in a little bit more rational way because sometimes when they come to you they're really really fired up and if you want to get them to simmer down a little bit the first step is to acknowledge those feelings and communicate with them also with an even and smooth tone to your voice and don't allow yourself to get kind of pulled in with kind of the tempo you know the cadence of their voice or even the volume level of their voice you always want to maintain that sort of mid-tone and pace because you're really approaching the situation very rationally and logically not emotionally. But when employees come to you, they're often uh, using like an octave above (laughs) and they're kind of frustrated and very animated. So when you acknowledge their feelings, that's the first step to simmering things down just a little bit. And then think about your levels of conflict resolution. Level one is the approach of coaching, mentoring, offering some advice saying, you know what, Ryan, if I were in your shoes, this is how I might recommend you handle it. And then uh, maybe even do a little role play with the employee and coach them and guide them on how to resolve the matter on their own without you even involved. But if that is really not a successful approach, the employee has a great deal of trepidation, they're not at a readiness level to be able to handle it, then at that point you want to move into that level too, as I said. This is where it shifts into uh, a mediation type of discussion. And you need to be prepared, as I said, as much as possible to understand a little bit of the the dynamics with the players involved. So if you aren't familiar with the DISC, then I would suggest that you do a little bit of studying. There's some cool information out there on the web that you can find out about it. And uh, if you're interested in obtaining your own profile, just reach out. Uh, You can just uh, go to our contact page at rpchr.com, and uh, one of my consultants will be happy to do one of those for you. All right, so that is it for today. I hope I've given you some really great tips on how to handle the intake process when uh, employees are unhappy campers and uh, teach you a few things on how to resolve those concerns. All right, so that's it for today's show. And in uh, my next show, I'm going to be talking about the level three part of conflict resolution. And I'm going to walk you through the steps in a mediation meeting, some things to think about in preparing for it, as well as the structure of a mediation meeting to work out that level three. See you next time. 
Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.